0: Are you ready to get fired up? This is The Spitfire Podcast. The Spitfire Podcast is a weekly show filled with stories of inspiration, lessons learned, and ready-to-use tools to light a fire under you. This show is hosted by me, Lauren LaMunnion, The Spitfire Coach, and I want to share the amazing stories of CEOs, professionals, and everyday people on their journey to awesomeness. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and please leave us a review. We would love, 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 love it. If you got questions, comments, or celebrations, we want to hear them. So reach out at SpitfirePodcast.com. Now, enough of the housekeeping. Let's get to the show. Spitfires, welcome back to another episode of the Spitfire podcast. You are in for a treat today. We have another Spitfire spotlight with our CEOs. That's not an S, but it's an S sound. So we're gonna we're gonna go with that alliteration. I am actually uh, in a new location today. I am on-site at Knucklepuck today, and so much of me wants to say knuckle punch because I <laughs> guess I have some inner aggression going on, but I'm sitting across uh, the desk, this nice credenza uh, with the CEO and founder of Knucklepuck in Boston, in uh, Arlington, Virginia, and we're gonna dive into innovation and kind of making opportunity out of frustration and friction and all that jazz. So Brett, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Cool. So it is gorgeous outside and part of me feels bad that we're not sitting outside having a conversation, but this is the tough life that we live. So I'm looking out in in the offices of Knucklepuck and you have an office here and it's open floor plan. hmm What was what was the thought process behind that?
1: Yeah, so Open floor plan is obviously something that has a lot of its benefits. You know, we do a lot with um, kind of cultivating our team. So we hire a lot of people without necessarily experience doing, you know, these marketing services. Our primary on the marketing side is SEO and paid media. Mm -hmm. And so we're starting to now see, you know, people come out of college with these skills and having some training programs in place. But most of our success has been growing those people internally. And so the open floor plan kind of gave us that opportunity to have people sit next to, you know, people who are experienced in this and absorb by osmosis almost. It was a big way that I learned. Um, You know, when I was sitting down, I started at a startup right out of college that had eight people. By the time I left, they were at 40. Now they're still partners of ours and have over 200 people all across the the country, all across the world. Um, And a lot of what I learned was sitting right next to the CEO and founder, you know, in my early career, and being able to hear him on the phone and being able to hear him explaining things to other people that weren't necessarily my body of work, but it was tangential to that. Um, and so, you know, we wanted to kind of try to cultivate that with this open floor plan.
0: When did Knucklepuck get started?
1: Yeah, so it got started in 2014.
0: Okay, so I read what the definition of Knucklepuck was, but for all the people who are not familiar with this term, mm-hmm. what does it mean?
1: Right, yeah, so I usually, if anybody asks me that, I usually tell me, you have to tell me what you think first. Yes. <laughs> but if you've already got the inside <laughs> track, um, I can give you the, the background for it because it wasn't actually always the name of the company. Um, When I started the company it was Agora Inbound because the Agora in ancient Roman times was the marketplace. That's where business and consumers exchanged goods and services. In my mind, I'm 26, I'm starting my my own business, um, and I thought, the internet is just like the Agora of 2014. Like, this is such a clever name for it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went, I bought the domain, I got my first business cards made at Kinko's across the street <laughs> from my apartment, uh, and then I got a cease and desist letter Ooh. from somebody who was more clever than I was back in 1978. And so I took it to a trademark attorney, um, and he told me, look, like, you could fight this, you could win, um, you could also lose, mm-hmm. you're going to pay me for the privilege either way, and you have literally nothing tied up in this brand but your own personal attachment to it. Um, so I, I was pretty heartbroken, I'll be honest with you. It was, that was the thing that I said, I'm starting Agora Inbound. It wasn't I was starting my own companies, I'm starting Agora. And then to have to be told that that wasn't viable anymore was kind of my first big boy business owner experience where this isn't a hobby this isn't you know just something we're doing for fun this is something that is going to provide a livelihood for me for my family and hopefully for other people as they kind of join me on this ride uh, and so I labored over it for for weeks. We were Jumping Jack Digital for like three weeks. Uh, we were Brett Snyder Consulting, which I just, I hated. Um, I, even, even just being one person, I've never thought that it gets done alone. Mm-hmm. And so I hated my name on it. And finally, my wife, frankly, just got fed up with me and sat down and said, dude, you got to just pick something.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, if you're half as good at marketing as you think you are, like pick a name and build that brand to it. And so The Mighty Ducks was my favorite movie growing up as a kid. Mm-hmm. Knuckle Puck is kind of a nod to, to The Mighty Ducks.
0: That's awesome. I actually just used Mighty Ducks in a coaching session mm-hmm. earlier this week with the flying V.
1: Nice. I, I said, love it.
0: I said, well, what happens if the point of the V moves away or someone else moves out of the V formation? They're like, well, you make up the space mm-hmm. and you keep charging towards the goal. Mm-hmm. And then we started to quack.
1: Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I brought it back to, uh, to Eric Pelton is his name with a trademark attorney. And he just looks at me and he goes, so you have a trademark issue and then you bring me a potential Disney conflict. (laughs) What is wrong with you? But I own the trademark. We're good with it. We actually went through a a rebranding effort before we built out our space, um, where we met with the whole team and we said, look, you know, once I put it on the wall, once I put it on t-shirts, you know, we're not changing it. Mm-hmm. And so it's now or never. And, and we spent probably a, a solid month of like doing kind of focus groups and talking to people and considering other names. And at the end of it, we sat around the table and nobody liked anything half as much as knucklepuck.
0: So basically what you're saying is once it's t-shirt official... It means business.
1: I think so. I think once you're going to commit to something, you got to go all in on it, right? Like this, this job doesn't work if you're kind of half-assing it. You know, you have to be willing to go in and and take the plunge and, and go full force behind it. And so that means making an investment. You know, it means buying the things that can, you know, re- kind of integrate that Grant brand into your day-to-day. You know, it's making sure that you're consistently, you know, equating your personal values or the values that are shared in the company with that company name. And so I think that, that brand name's important. It's not to say that it can't ever change, mm-hmm. but I think if you're gonna make a push towards something, I mean, that's, that's the marketer in me, you know, is making sure that you're really, you're backing it and you're, you're putting everything you've got behind it.
0: Well, that's so interesting, because now I'm thinking of all of those brands that are, you know, bold proclamations just in the name mm-hmm. of, of their brand, and then the people who are kind of tiptoeing and implying what it is that mm-hmm. they do. And, and you're working with different companies. Are you seeing the tiptoe approach before they're coming in, or are they coming in strong?
1: I think it's really interesting where I always thought that the brand name had to have that story, it had to have something to do with your product, Um, but I think that depends on your space. You know, I think in a consulting agency like ours is, you know, it doesn't have to mean anything. And and that that was my hardest part with knucklepucks. Like, what does it actually mean? You know, and, and I didn't have an answer to it before I realized like, well, the answer is come up and ask me. You know, the answer is that's, that's an icebreaker. It's a name you remember. It's something that you see on a name tag and you, you want to you ask about it. Once it gets that conversation started, then you can craft the narrative. You know, you're in control of that messaging a lot more if things shift, right? You know, inbound was a big one. I think we were trying to talk, Agora inbound. Inbound marketing was a really hot term, you know, back five years ago, still is used, but you know, when those trends change, keyword search volume changes. All of a sudden, these things where you've built your name around a particular way people talk about things isn't as strong anymore. And so I have over, you know, over my career, I've gotten more comfortable with a name that is just something that reflects how you provide your service or how you provide your product, as opposed to trying to tie it to, you know, to consumer trends, which will change.
0: Interesting. So, we've talked about the name. I want to talk about the inspiration of the company. Mm -hmm. So, you mentioned that you came from startup. Mm -hmm. A startup, and and that is a totally different culture than being a business owner and, Mm and getting a foundation. So, what was the catalyst for making the switch?
1: Yeah, so I actually started my career, and my entire career has been in digital agencies. And so, I started with an internship at an agency that gave me exposure to Speedo's ad campaign during the Summer Olympics which was wild, you know, just to see the amount of money that is going into this, the different levers that people have, you know, the amount of information that companies have about your buying habits. You know, it was really, really eye-opening to me that, you know, and this is back in 08, you know, how much of that information existed and how much, if you were willing to work with it, you had a lot of control and agency of your success. Um, and so I, I have never been somebody who was going to be on a partner track at a CPA firm. You know, no offense to any, any of the accountants out there, but you know, that kind of tiered approach, you know, put in your dues, you know, be, the, be the company man for long enough and you'll get your due, um, was never something I was going to settle for. You mm-hmm. know, if I'm willing to work harder and I'm willing to produce and able to produce more results, I don't think that it's a fair argument that somebody who has been doing it longer deserves more opportunities. I think the person who does it better. Deserves the opportunities. Um, a lot of that kind of informed the, you know, was informed by my early startup kind of days working for a company in Philly called Sear Interactive. Um, they're one of the kind of preeminent SEO paid media firms frankly in the world. Um, but I got in there when I think it was the eighth person, you know, as Will was started the company and I, I got to sit and really see how how it worked to build a company like this. I got to see the the pain points as it started to gain a lot of success and momentum and areas where, you know, we had to fill holes and where things would fracture and you'd have to fix it, which is natural. You know, mm-hmm. it's a natural thing that a company goes through as it grows and as it kinda of reaches that, you know, that point of getting out of startup phase and into growth phase. Um, And so it was really, really exciting to kind of get that exposure to all the wins, but also some of the things of of the challenges, right? In that environment, there was no hiding it when, you know, stuff was hard, you know, when things got tough, when, you know, we were really trying to take on more and more work because we couldn't shut down the biz dev pipeline. It took so long to get there that, you know, even though we were understaffed, we wanted to get it done. We wanted to keep that going. Um, and so a lot of that, you know, as I the only reason I left here was my wife got into law school in Atlanta and they weren't a distributed company that they mm-hmm. are today. Um, and so, you know, I said, I, there's only one reason I would leave Philly and, you know, she's moving to Atlanta. So <laughs> I'm moving to Atlanta. Um, and it was I've stayed in touch with Will and the team over there. We still do a lot of work with them. And we were actually just up there for their conference called Seerfest, mm-hmm. um, which was really cool. I'll give them a plug for the fact that all of the money that they raised for this went to an organization called HopeWorks in Camden, New Jersey, that is trying to give you know kids from underprivileged communities access to professional development skills. Very cool. Uh, so they brought a whole panel in, and it it was cool to hear you know their their kind of involvement with that program. Um, but we stayed in touch with those. I moved to Atlanta. I ran SEO for an agency down there. Uh, same kind of deal. A lot of stuff that I learned that I really liked about it. You know, I learned how to talk to C-Suite. You know, I learned how to um, explain the value of these kind of intangible services. You know, SEO in particular. Paid's a little easier. You spent X, you made Y. But SEO is is more of that investment in content and in strategy that's harder to, to make that cause and effect. And so I learned all those pieces, but I also had challenges with it. You know, I I didn't feel that there was an alignment between the client and the agency. Um, I didn't feel that management took enough ownership over the fact that work-life balance is largely driven or determined by management. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't have as much control over work-life balance if their manager is demanding, you know, exorbitant work from them. Um, And so as I went through kind of all of those different exercises, I would look at the things I liked, and I would look at the things that I would change if it were me. And so I've always kind of had that bug to do my own thing. I've always believed that winners want the ball. Um, And so when we moved back up here, you know, my wife grew up around um, in Vienna outside DC here. Um, And so when we moved back up here, um, I told my agency there, like, look, I'll I'll do whatever you need to to transition away, but I'm going to make a crack at it.
0: That's awesome. So what I'm hearing is you kind of got the the fire lit under you with the startup. So you got that like engine of creativity of how do we create something out of nothing and go, go, go. And then you switched to the agency model, which was the structure and kind of this professional sheen approach to it. Mm-hmm. How do we put all the nuts and bolts? And then you were able to troubleshoot it of what's missing for me? Where am I aligned and not aligned? Mm-hmm. And from that friction, it sounds like knuckle puck was born. Yeah
1: it was and I've been pretty open with that with our team and and about the things where you know we learn a lot from the stuff that pisses you off. You you focus way way more on what you don't like because Mm -hmm. that's the thing that bothers you. Um, There's a great quote from a movie Rounders with Matt Damon and Edward Norton. It's a poker movie Um, and there's this quote that goes along the lines of very few gamblers can recall the big pots they've won in their career but they can recount to you in excruciating detail the worst bad beats that they've ever had, because that's the stuff that sticks with you. That's yeah. the stuff that, that doesn't feel good, that just it gets under your skin and it, it kind of it just bothers you. Um, and so we've tried to always look at, you know, how do you address that? Mm-hmm. How do you go in there and say, you know, I, I don't blame the other, you know, I've been humbled with the challenges that we've faced as we've grown from it, because you can't solve everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't solve all the problems. As, as a leader, you choose what is the most important piece to your business. Um, and I think recognizing those friction points, recognizing the things that are making it difficult to retain high quality people, you know, to make people excited to come in here and to weather the, you know, the sprints.
0: Yeah. So I think that that kind of transitions into my question, which is what is the thing that's creating friction or the thing that's pissing you off now?
1: Mm-hmm. Right now, um, I, I think it's, you know, it's certainly first world problems, but I think we have worked so, so hard to be able to build efficient processes in our business development and making sure that we're vetting the right clients, that we're delivering great work for it. Uh, and it's worked. And so now we have a ton of new work that's coming through and, and not an inability yet, but we're, we're right up at the point where I don't know if we can continue to deliver at the quality of the service we provide now. Um, And that was the one piece that I, that was one of the friction points that was challenging for me earlier on, where, you know, my boss would just say, hey, if they'll pay for it, we'll do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's all well and good as the owner of the business that needs to generate revenue. But as the person who is just told, we'll just do it, doesn't change the fact that I'm already working 60 hours a week. And I don't know, I genuinely don't know how I'm going to do this just because the company has more money. And so that's something that um, I give a lot of credit to Maura Miller, who runs our marketing team, Corey Brown runs our dev team, um, are very in tune with what the team can handle. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talk through that, we try to problem solve, we try to make sure that if we can do something, we set the right expectations around it, um, because that's an area, that's a friction point that frankly I'm unwilling to compromise on for Mm -hmm. this business. Um, I didn't get into this to, you know, become a billionaire, you know, this isn't a a, a push for for the most money in the world. Um, I wanted to produce a lifestyle business, you know, to provide a lifestyle for myself, for my team, for our clients, you know, who can grow their business through their websites and through their marketing. Um, And that's kind of the biggest friction point now is how do we how do we serve all the people that want to serve us that want to work with us and that we know we can help Mm -hmm. and we want to help without putting ourselves in a position where all of a sudden we've bitten off more than we can chew the team is run down the team gets burnt out Um, so we do a lot of looking at at hours allocation we actually do our resource planning at a 75% margin and so basically we only look at having 30 hours per week of billable work per Mm -hmm. person Um, not to say that people don't have to do more than that if we sprint, and things always take longer than you think, and so that's why we've built that in. Um, And when we know we've got everybody up there at 75% of their time is going to billable work, we know that we have to hire. We know that we can't sustain more than that for an extended period of time. And so I, I, you know, the team has been great when we've needed to sprint and we've had things that have come down the pipe that are huge opportunities for us. Everybody rallies and everybody always says, yes, we want to do it. Um, but it's important for me and and my leadership team to make sure that what we're asking of them is sustainable.
0: That's so smart. i I came from the association management world, mm-hmm. where uh, we were expected to bill up to one hundred percent of yeah. our time and the burnout rates are real. Mm-hmm. And I think that's looking at it as an objective, data-driven decision, but also understanding the human interpretation mm-hmm. of that, that, you know, we are not machines, and and machines don't even run at a hundred percent. At some point, you have to unplug them, or they overheat. You know, have you had your own experience with burnout?
1: Oh, absolutely. We had back in in my early startup career, we would go out to happy hour and we would compare antidepressants that we were taking because yeah. everybody was just so stressed. But you know, we're all very ambitious people. You know, we're people who want to do great work, and when given the opportunity, we take it. Yeah. Um, and but it, it took a toll. You know, and it, it had some things where if, you know these are people now that are work at Google, engineers at Google, you know, they're C-suite at, you know, at publicly traded companies. You know, these are people who are, are very ambitious and very, you know, very skilled. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got there, we, we cut our teeth kind of together on that. Um, but I did, and, and I can even give a more recent example um, with Knucklepuck. You know, I got to a point where we were, you know, we're going through the startup phase where you have all of your challenges. I talked before about what was humbling, you know, when knowing the problems that to me were so obvious when I was frustrated as an employee, I realized like, oh, that's just like one of the 45 things that, you know, leadership has to deal with right now. And I only know one of them. Um, but Knucklepuck was going through a particularly tough time. We were trying to you know, get our operations in place. We were trying to replace a really big client that brought their work in house. Um, and I'd frankly never believed that I had a breaking point. Um, mm-hmm. I've always been somebody who could do it. I, I, you know, I would pull the all nighter to get it done if need be. And you know, I'd walk away with it with some bruises, but some pride as well. Um, and this got to a point where, um, I was, we were getting out and it was like some, I don't even remember exactly what was frustrating. The only thing that I remember is that I was packing up to go to a bachelor party and my Fitbit fell out of my, off my wrist into my backpack. Um, and I had lost a Fitbit already like six weeks ago. And I just remember this being one where just shaking with just, mm-hmm. just lost it. Um, I was in tears in the Uber ride going to the airport and being like, I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that I could come, come back. Um, and that was really, really tough. And it was cool to, m- cool is maybe not the right word, but it was very um, revealing for me to have to look in the mirror and say, something has to change. Like okay. this, this is it. Something has to change. Uh, we had to do some layoffs. You know, that was one of the hardest things that I've had to do in my career. Um, you know, we had to do some kind of restructuring. But from that point, which was last March, I think, um, company performances doubled Right. It's it's one of those things that like we had to make a change and, and avoiding it for as long as, as we did created that burnout feeling and it created a point where you almost have, have a point of no return. You know, if if this wasn't my company, I probably would have quit. Mm-hmm. And and so I try to remember that and we try to understand also with, you know, that our our team goes through that. You know, and when we're looking for those pieces and you know, how do we how do we understand that as we go? Is it an extra vacation day here and there? Um, one of the things that we do when people travel for work, I always tell you, I'll buy you a, a ticket there and a ticket out. So if you want that ticket out to be after spending a weekend in New York, have fun. You yeah. know, we'll get you one there and one back and, and finding ways to be able to create those small kind of release points along the way and to recognize the the emotional toll that it takes to be able to, to deliver on the promises that I make a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's so important to not just say the words but to really back it up with the actions and the policies and the consistency. Mm-hmm. I hear so many people, you know, out there preaching of, you know, we're all about aligning our values and our mission and then they're making these crazy policies where they're tracking people's time down to the, you know, minute mm-hmm. and and restricting their leave. And so I'm I'm curious like what is that ideal employee that comes in here? Like what is what is that like Secret sauce that feels like it's a line that there's going to be magic that happens. Yeah,
1: I've I've always answered this question with you know with a pretty simple response, um, and it's a very millennial response. But you know I look for hustlers, um, and hustlers is you know that's a millennial coming from me. Not that you know millennials are the only hustlers out there. Um, I don't care if you've been doing this for six months or sixty years. You know, I want somebody who's going to come in here understand that you have a role to play. Understand that role is going to change and is going to evolve. That we are going to make mistakes. You know, and, and we may have to walk back certain things, um, but that we are committed to to changing them, to mm-hmm. not making mistakes be routine. Um, people who go in there and they want, you know, I, I do a strategic plan presentation every year, um, and so I think it was two years ago. I always try to have a theme for it. Um, one year was, you know, be your be your own CEO, something along mm-hmm. along those lines. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought a little bit. What was I gonna say? Oh, it was uh, the the idea of this was creating value, mm-hmm. um, because everybody talks about this idea of adding value. It's like oh, I'm gonna add value to your organization, and if people say that to me in interview, I look at them and I tell them, it's like, okay, so what's the alternative to that? Mm-hmm. If you're not adding value, what are you doing? And people don't usually have an answer.
0: no <laughs> they're uh, sound biting it. yeah and,
1: and adding value I think is is a basic expectation right You mm-hmm. should add value to anything you're participating in. but the the high performers, the people who really succeed here are the people who create value mm-hmm. the people who go out there and find out, hey, I found this problem and here's a solution. like can you support me with this whether that's, having resources from our dev team or whether that's having money or whether that's having time off to go and pursue these pieces that will be good for us Um, you know it's making sure that we find and we encourage that type of a culture where people do feel empowered to come in and say here's what I want to do to change it I want to take some agency over a problem that affects me personally Mm -hmm. Um, when people recognize that and you know I I tell them it's like we will give you the tools but you have to build the house
0: yeah how quickly can you sniff out People who talk the talk but don't walk the walk.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Uh, we do a thing called the Clifton Strengths Finder mm-hmm. here. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. I am, yeah. Um, and so mine are a lot of you know influencing, relationship-building strengths. So communication, winnings, winning others over, woo is one of them, um, positivity, and, and kind of individualization are four of mine. Mm-hmm. And those are all based on being able to understand how people work. Um, so for me, it's something that I have found to be fairly intuitive, mm-hmm. but we're also looking now as we're starting to scale, and we want, we've want we always said we hire the right person, not the next person. Um, I'm doing a lot of work with more in particular to, to try to figure out how do we standardize that? You know, How do we take me out of the equation and have an objective criteria that we can look at? But at the end of the day, I don't think that there's a way to really sniff out the talkers. Um, what we do is we give everybody in any role from our junior consultant roles to management positions and we give them a skills assessment Mm -hmm. and so we want to be it's a you know it's usually a it's not a fake business but it's not one of ours it's actually friends of mine usually Mm -hmm. that have small businesses and i'll say look this client just hired us or we're starting this new business how would you go about building the marketing plan um, and it gives us a chance to see, like, how do you write? Can you put together a sentence? Do you understand how to structure a, a document so that things are organized properly? Do you use bullet points? Do you use data or metrics? Do you cite sources? And mm-hmm. you know, we don't tell people to do this because then you check the box. But we look for that, and we look for it in these skills assessments.
0: That's so smart because I've seen so many companies, they get the resume, they have the face-to-face interview, and they're like, have you had experience? What have you done with this? Mm -hmm. But then they get burned because they realize that they've just had a fluffed up interview and resume, and when it comes down to it, they have no idea what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's this, this block on people who are interviewing of being honest. I mean, I'm curious, if someone came in here and said, you know what, I don't know how to do this, but I'm willing to learn, what would be more advantageous for you if someone who's going to BS their way through it or someone who's going to be up front? Oh,
1: I can introduce you to half the people out in our open floor <laughs> plan out there who came in and said, I don't know anything. Um, I, I can teach you SEO. I can't mm-hmm. teach you to give a shit.
0: It's a very good point. And, and you do have a sign outside that says, what does it say?
1: or get shit done
0: get shit done yeah. oh, I, th- I think give a shit should probably yeah end too. maybe the, uh, the secondary we give mm-hmm. a shit <laughs> well so we
1: actually have another one um we're we're, we're big on on very pc language around yes, here um, i appreciate it <laughs> one of the things that i pressed on a lot of people and i think anthony might still have this posted on his desk three years later um, when we talk about you know our team producing client deliverables um, and i'll read it and i read all these things that i'm like i'm not sure what to do with this and so we kind of have started to hammer into people you've got to be able to answer the question who gives a shit mm-hmm. about what you're putting in here like if you're putting in this if you're asking somebody with a finite amount of time to dedicate that time to your deliverable and potentially at the expense of other things in your deliverable that might be more important you know does this matter mm-hmm. you know who gives a shit about this point you're trying to make you mm-hmm. know are you forcing it in because you feel that you need a backing for it or is it really important is it really what you need your client to be focusing in on right now
0: yeah so that is a more um, street side of design thinking of impacted parties, mm-hmm. if you look at it in a, in a process. But I, I love that idea of, of really asking yourself of who gives a shit, who's impacted by it, who cares, why should I care? Mm-hmm. And why do you care? Because usually people are like forcing their agenda because of something else that they're trying to, to shield from.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I mean, sometimes people just you know they go in and they they think that their job is to to complete the assignment, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's just the way that we have the the job is to produce the outcome, right? The job is to produce the outcome for your client, to produce the outcome for your team. If it's an internal meeting, it's to provide information for your manager or for your team, or to transition off of a project properly, mm-hmm. and so all of these things are are you know from a CEO's perspective. I pay you for your time. Mm-hmm. All, all these things you're spending your time on then I don't really care if you check the box, if it's the wrong box, even if I'm the one who drew it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, we, we
1: want people to go in there and say, like, what's the outcome we're trying to accomplish? Um, my wife's an attorney, and so the idea of the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. Mm-hmm. Like, Are you being told to go out there and follow this process and fill in these sections on a form? Or are you going out there to tell a client this is a way that you're going to be able to grow your business?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a big point. So we've talked about your strengths as a leader uh, by way of StrengthsFinder. I'm curious what you see as your gaps or challenges as a leader.
1: Yeah, I think if you want to get a good sense of my gaps or challenges, then you should talk to Maura, who runs our <laughs> marketing team, um, because she's very much, uh, she is that kind of compliment. Um, I have, I have. Problems with focus, you know, I, I will have things where like yeah, I definitely can do this. I want to do it, you know, and then all of a sudden I get distracted or I don't follow through the way that I want to. It's mm-hmm. um, why accountability is one of our core values because it's something that I know I've had to really consistently work at, um, and so I think a big part of it is making sure to not stay too strategic, to stay grounded in in what's realistic to pursue. Um, That's what I talked about. You know, Maura and Corey both do their resource planning and to tell me, where I can go in there it's like, yeah, I think I could win this. Like, Should I go out there and win it? You know, and having somebody be able to be like, all right, let's think through the logistics of of how do we actually execute on this? How do we adhere to those kind of quality standards that we know are so important to us? Um, And it's why I'm grateful that I have people like Maura and Corey around me, because they are able to provide that balance. Um, They're able to follow up and to press me on things and hold me accountable where you know, me being, you know, the, the top of the ladder there. You know, somebody's got to tell me if I'm getting out of line or if I'm not stepping up and doing what I need to um, or finding ways to be able to complement that. And, you know, they've been really great when I've needed to of, of adjusting around that, being like, okay, I can fill in some of those pieces if you can take this instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and having people who, who understand that and, can, and we have that rapport, you know, has been a big part of, of why we've been successful.
0: That's awesome. So let's imagine that we're, we're sitting down five years from now And we're having a very different conversation. What are we talking about? You know,
1: I hope we're talking about a lot of the same stuff. Okay. Honestly, I I hope because there's always going to be friction points, right? Any any executive who is naive enough to think that they're going to solve the problems in their business, you know, is not going to have a business in five years. Um, I think the landscape's going to be very different. You know, given that we are a digital company, like pace of change in you know when it comes to technology is is insane. You know, we, we may not do searches anymore on Google. We may just think, and all of a sudden, Amazon drones deliver something to our door. Oh, that's frightening, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where the technology goes, but I, I hope the conversation stays in some of these principles. You know, what are your pain points? What are your values? Um, what are the things that you won't compromise on for speed or money? And how have you had to live those values? When have you had to turn down growth or money to be able to protect what, you know, what got you here? Um, so I, I hope we're talking about similar things.
0: Cool. What do you think you're gonna see in five years?
1: I think I could speak a little bit more to our our web business for this in particular because we do a lot of work in the association space you know we've been building a lot of, of websites in there and and I think we, we kind of fancy ourselves a little bit of the disruptor in a lot of senses, um, because we're going in there, we build everything on WordPress, which is uh, license-free, you know, there's no licensing fees associated with WordPress. Uh, we're building in all these highly technical integrations with different AMSs that then we can scale and use again and improve our code library over time. Um, and I think you know, as we're starting to look into that, I think there's a lot of pain points in the association space in particular that we can come out there and we can solve. You know nobody likes their website. Nobody feels that they can actually add to it. It, it doesn't become something you look at as a, a tool or, or a weapon in your arsenal to be able to get your message out there, to be able to to build your community, to be able to pursue advocacy. You know if, if you're not looking at your website as a functional tool for you, then it's just a, a very, very expensive billboard. Mm. Um, and so we're going in there and we're we're trying to change the narrative a little bit. Everything that we do is fixed bid pricing. You know, we go in there, we get paid to do discovery, and so we gather all of your requirements and then we give you line item, scope and pricing and says, if this is the website you want, this is what it will cost. It will not cost a dollar more or a dollar less. If it's on the list, it gets done. If your wish list is too expensive, let's work to drop things off. It's not really important to us to get the most money out of it. It's important to us to build the right site or to have the right plan in place. Um, And we're getting a lot of positive feedback from that. Um, I just acquired Corey Webb uh, last March, and so we spent the better part of last year kind of incorporating everybody into our infrastructure and and building a lot of this pipeline and making sure that we have not just the messaging, but the process and the the execution to back it up.
0: Very cool. So, let's see. If you could name your Spitfire Power, what would it be?
1: You know, I, I might I might kind of rip off StrengthsFinder a little bit um, because individualization is one of my strengths and when I read the explanation for what that was, I never had a word for it before, but I felt that it it perfectly encapsulated the way that I kind of see the world um, and that's why everybody at KnucklePuck takes it, that's why it's a big part of our culture. Um, and so, for anybody who isn't familiar with it, it breaks down your the strengths finder breaks down your top five strengths that you have as a person. Um, it's not to say that you don't have other strengths. It's just saying that you are naturally intuitively strong in these core areas. Mm-hmm. And so, they're broken down by influencing, relationship building, thinking, or executing strengths. Um, and mine you know individualization is a, I believe it's a relationship building strength and it's essentially the ability to understand very quickly what makes an individual unique and I you know I've seen that in my management style is how do I you know pursue professional development how do I put people in a position where they are a little uncomfortable every day but they grow every day you know and understanding how to work with individuals and you know and empowering those individuals to be able to go and and kind of carry that forward. Um, You know, I have tried very, very hard to stay grounded in the idea that we are a, a consulting business. Our product is our people. You know you had mentioned it earlier where you know we're not machines we don't operate at a certain percentage we don't operate at a certain percentage every week to week day to day mm-hmm. you know there there's a lot of kind of nuance to to working with people um, and that idea of individualization and being able to understand and to craft my relationship with somebody based around what I know you like and where I know that you're strong or where I know you need help and where you might be a little bit nervous to step out there or not have the confidence to do something that I believe you can do. Um, and I think that's been something that, you know, I have seen a lot of and it brings me a lot of personal satisfaction to be able to see people grow that way and, and see them, you know, take some of that that push and really run with it.
0: Awesome. So if you could have a conversation with sixteen year old you okay. and hand over a nugget or two of advice, what would you give yourself?
1: I think I would want to tell myself that it's okay to be you Um, and and I was talking to some folks we actually it's so funny I went to a concert last night at 930 Club and it ended a little early so we got a drink at the bar afterwards ended up meeting a woman who's a product manager at the hosting company that we are heavily embedded Mm -hmm. with and and we kind of started talking about this idea of you know people are not an, an a la carte menu you know I have a lot of things about my personality that I love but I also have a lot of things that are difficult to deal with you know if i get hooked on an idea i have to do it mm-hmm. like I, before i would say I'm like obligated to do it but you know i've started to think about language is important the way we talk about it's important um and i feel compelled to do a lot of those pieces um, some of it comes at the expense of mental health um, but that is kind of the the package you know i can't take just the parts i like about my personality and leave the rest of them in the cart. Um, And so I think that was something I struggled with a lot when I was younger Mm -hmm. Um, and I think being able to go and look at that and as I've kind of Been comfortable with who I am, you know And and tried to work on the things that I want to get better at for me personally But not expecting that my imperfections to go away um, Has given me a lot of confidence to go and pursue more things and I have always said I, I think confidence is the most valuable thing that anybody can have professionally You know, if you believe that you can do something you're significantly more likely to be able to do that something Um, and I think being able to you know to encourage you know 16 year old me 16 year old anyone you know 35 year old someone 72 year old someone you know to be comfortable with who you are and and to embrace that
0: that's awesome and I feel like that is like the most powerful message (laughs) we can push through because that is the spitfire message of just be aligned with you and shine and be confident in your space so that is amazing if anyone listening is interested in your services and and being themselves with you and having you having you and your team highlight that Mm -hmm. uh, in the digital space where they where can they find out more?
1: yeah so we're actually in the process of redesigning our website right now we feel like the cobbler with no shoes a little (laughs) bit but we do have a site up at knucklepuckmedia.com uh, we should have. We got our front end done. I think this week. You know, we're working through front end templates for it, so we're hoping to have the redesigned site up by the end of the year. But all of our contact info is down there. Um, you know, my generals. I'm not as involved with social as I've lost the time for it. Um, but my email is Brett at Knucklepuckmedia.com. B R E T T. Um, and so you know, I answer all of my own emails. You know, there's no admin or, or Google bot that's it's going true. through he that. It's true. You responded to mine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and I think the big thing is, you know, if you're interested in understanding how we work or you're just interested in understanding how, you know, these services can help grow your business, then let's talk. You know, my, I still do all of our, you know, the majority of our business development, at least involved in it. Um, and I've always told people that I'm going to tell you what I would do if I owned your business. It is, you have to figure out whether or not that makes sense for you. You've got to figure out whether or not you believe there's a return, because if you're going to work with us, or you're going to work with any agency, you've got to believe it will work. And and so we, we spend a lot of time trying to do that education. And so, um, you know, if you're just have questions about WordPress or, you know, you've had concerns with WordPress security, you know, I can shut those down for you in in 30 seconds. Um, And so give us a call, shoot us an email.
0: Very cool. Well, Brett, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and sharing your nuggets of wisdom and and your stories. And uh, to all the Spitfires out there, keep being awesome.
1: Very cool. Thanks for having me.